Welcome, welcome, welcome. For those of you who've been around, you remember that lovely year we spent with the welcoming prayer, which begins with welcome, welcome, welcome. The blessing of saying it three times. And we are so glad that you join us. We are always surprised and we get an email from Taiwan or Ireland or Africa that in this wonderful age of technology and for all the good that technology does for us that we get to be together i'd love to see your faces and maybe someday i will certainly we'll all be together in heaven and i so look forward to that well <clears throat> last week we started and you can see a fuzzy funny picture of me on the front of our website with about 75 candles on a cake that looks like at any moment it's going to erupt into an explosion. And I think that's pretty much what happened. The candles melted everywhere. I don't think we could even eat the cake. 75th birthday, and I'm so grateful for this life that God has given me and the things that he's allowed me to do. So I want to celebrate it, and I want you to help me celebrate it by deciding to do 75 somethings for somebody. 75 somethings for somebody. 75 kisses to your husband, or cookies to your school, or coins to put in the basket or the tin at Christmas time. You can make yourself a note to put to do it and wait until the Santas are out from the Salvation Army. Or $75 to your local pastor, not just to a charity, but perhaps to your pastor to say thank you to him personally if you can afford to do that. 75 days of your children's favorite activity. Oh my mama, wouldn't that be? 75 days is nearly three months. I want you to remember how long that is. Well, it's been an amazing opportunity and I've been thinking about my 75s. And so what my 75 is going to be will be revealed next week after I've done it, all right? I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to tell you what it is. But don't forget, there are a lot of things you can do that represent the number 75. Divide it up into three quarters of 25 each. The second thing I want to mention to you is some of you have mentioned the new music. Yes, we have new music after nearly 20 years of the same music. And thank you for that lovely, so many of you have said you just love hearing it because it reminds you of what we're about to do together. But we have new music and I'm biased to it. So now I'm doing what I seldom do, but I'm taking my bias and I'm putting it here on our podcast. That music was created by my grandson who's now 16 and six foot two and patting both his grandfather and me on our heads. What a lovely young man he is. He is Samuel Hamlin and um, his music interests and gifting seems to be in place and he's been using it. He has some music on an app called SoundCloud and his his uh, professional name is Smonster, S 
S-A-M-O-N-S-T-E-R, Samuel Hamlin, who provided the music for us for our daily podcast. Well, today I want to talk to you about what I'm going to talk to you about every Monday between now and Easter. And Easter Monday, following Easter, I may take that Monday and wrap up our series and talk about all the things we've talked about. But today I want to talk to you about solidarity with Jesus and others. I hope you had the possibility of beginning this 40-day journey on Wednesday last, sometimes called Ash Wednesday, certainly called the beginning of Lent. And remember the word Lent only means spring, and it's a setting aside of 40 days. Our pastor invited us in the name of Jesus to take this 40 days of preparation and observation with a small but important list of disciplines. And I love this small but important list. And this is the list. Self-examination, repentance, prayer, fasting, giving, and meditating on the word. Now, I want you to hear me loud and clear because I'm not a meditator as an Eastern transcendental meditation. I meditate on the word of God as the psalmist called us to do in Psalm 1 and as Joshua called us to do in a book with his name on it. Meditate on the word of God day and night. And one of the challenges is during these 40 days to read through the gospel accounts. I read something somewhere in my vast readings during this time of the year about how many hours it takes to read through each of the gospels all the words of Christ during this time. And the total number was 280 hours. That seemed like a lot of time, doesn't it? 280 hours, that must be a full weeks of reading. But divided out over 40 days, it wasn't that long. So maybe you like to add to your list the reading through the gospel, or maybe you haven't started something in its um, place you could start. So the list was self-examination, repentance, prayer, fasting, giving, reading, and meditating on the Word of God. Well, I'm praying for the personalness of this list as I march off with you in this daily examine of myself and my commitment to fast something in particular until Easter morning. Now, this season is a particular highlight for me, and I was looking back and wondering how it got to be a particular highlight. What was it? When, when was it that I officially said of the celebrations during the course of the year, Easter was my favorite? I asked my husband, when did we stop sending Christmas cards and start sending Easter cards? We tried to figure it out as best as we could figure it out by a book we keep with important ingredients of our lives. It looks like it's about 11 years ago. That is a very short time ago, but it was leading up to it. I noticed that how much we had done many years ago, 40 plus years ago, I wrote a play for Easter and about... Now, let's see, how old, how old is Logan? Logan is 22 years old, and he was about 11. So 10 years ago, we have a family in our world whom we love. They have nine children, 
no, no, they have seven children, and Logan is their oldest son, and he was asked to be Jesus in the presentation. And his mother looked at him and said, Mrs. Otto wants you to be Jesus. And he knew this was not a request. This was a command performance. So all of the little children, his sister was Mary, all of the children who were at our house for Easter performed this play, which is a play the narrator speaks and the children just act out. This time began for me to be a very important time. It's a highlight for me. My favorite services happen during this time. The Palm Sunday service, the waving of palms, the remembering my own joy at being in Jerusalem and standing at the hill, coming from Bethany where Jesus went down the hill, my lovely remarks of Corey Tin Booms, who very laughingly said, do you think the donkey thought that that celebration was about him? When we ride into something with praises for Jesus, it's about Jesus, the one who was riding the donkey. And then the service where we get to wash each other's feet, as Christ did for his disciples the night before he went to be crucified. And that night was a night full of many firsts. His, his saying this is a new covenant and how he celebrated the dark day of Friday, the solemnity of deep and dark Good Friday. And then, of course, the wonderful celebration of Easter morn and song and praise and color and lilies. I want to remain penitent. I do. It's, it's a deep desire that I have a penitent heart. But I find myself often um, falling away from that. If anything, I come braggadociously. I come to the scripture saying this is what I already know about this passage. I, it give, this season gives me an opportunity to dwell on my desire to be a penitent person, to regularly ask for repentance. And once a year, I pause to read this passage found in Joel. Joel chapter 2 verses 1 and 2, and verses 12 through 17, and I'm going to read them to you. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness spread about the mountains. A great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your hearts, not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn again and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpets in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even the infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep 
Let them say, Spare your children, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the people, Where is their God? This this passage of repentance, this passage of pausing, there are wonderful things in these verses I've read that we don't have time today to break apart. But he wasn't asking them to do sackcloth and ashes. He was asking them to not rend their clothing, but rend their hearts. And this time is an opportunity for us to rend our hearts for self-examination, for repentance. In our ongoing study here at Modern Homemakers, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount and just snippets of different passages of Scripture. And recently we took a look at Matthew 7, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we looked at the first five verses. And what Matthew says to us in those verses, don't be a judger. Don't be a judger. Don't be hypocritical. Instead, we are to be what he's called us to do and not pass judgment. Well, in the same Sermon on the Mount, starting in Matthew chapter 6, he tells us what to do during these days of fasting and not, not rending our sackcloth and ashes, but rending our hearts of examination, of repentance, of prayer, of fasting, of giving. And he says, beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for you have no reward by your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, okay, and this is a time to say, I want to give more. I want to do something exceptional. I, something my 75 might look like different than normal. Do not sound a trumpet before you go, as the hypocrites do that in the synagogues of the street. Why? So they be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they've already received their reward. I was with a group of young women who I've been meeting with now for 25 years. And one of the girls, is uh, they're, they're all laughy, jokey girls, and they've known each other for a long time. And she said, you'd be so proud of me. I didn't say something I was just about to say. And then she said, did I lose my jewel in my crown? And one of the other girls said, oh, honey, you don't have a crown. And we all laughed hysterically. But this is what he's talking about here in the Sermon on the Mount. When you give your alms, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Do it in secret. Do it in secret. And whenever you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who run around and say, look at me, I'm praying. Instead, do it privately and quietly. Do it in secret. And that's where he tells us to go, to our secret prayer closet. So that's what this season looks like, a season of deepening our repentance, our prayer, our fasting, our giving, but doing it secretively. So we're doing it unto the Lord. Last week on the first Monday of the week, we talked about the baptism of Christ in the muddy Jordan River. And that literally reams the people who are also being baptized in the river. And it caused me to look at it again for this week because I was thinking about the solidarity of Jesus with us. You know, I have a hard time even saying that, that I have a solidarity with Jesus or he with me because Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is a part of the Trinity. 
I can't have a solidarity with him because I am a mortal. I am Donna Otto. I know my own weaknesses and sins and faults. But what Jesus shows us is that he came here to be human so he could have solidarity with us. And we see these pictures of John baptizing Jesus. But we, if you've ever been to the muddy Jordan River, you will see it's very easy to get in off the banks. And in many places in the scripture, it says that there were lots of people. Mark 1 and 5 says, The people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were coming out to him, John, and were being baptized by him, John, in the river Jordan, they were confessing their sins. Him, again, John the Baptist, I, I, I paused and read these and I thought, who organized that? Who got all those people there? Did they have a little tag that they were next to get in the water? The whole thing seems unorganized to me. And yet this picture of Jesus being in the river, in the water, people on the banks raiding to be baptized by John. And they come in with Jesus in solidarity. He says, I am with you. I am one of you. I too am being baptized. Did Jesus need to be baptized? Not hardly. And yet he did it as a way to show solidarity with me and with you and with the world. My husband and I joined thousands of others in getting our appointment set for our vaccine. We got the location and the number and everything we needed to have. It was brilliantly organized. As an organizer, the sheer numbers of which I'm very interested in, how many lines of cars were there, rows and rows of cars, and how many of them were in the 15-minute waiting, and who were the people who were doing it, nurses and firefighters, and how did the paperwork get done, reams of paper all organized, copied, stapled, and handed to us. I never left my car. It was brilliant. I'm certain that the banks of Jordan were not that organized, but I'm also certain that solidarity is a very important ingredient in our walk of faith. I have a precious friend, a sister, who has modeled Christ for me in many ways through the years of our relationship. And I hadn't seen her for a while, and when I saw her, I just, like, I, like, like I took a little, and I said, you've lost so much weight. And she said, yes, I have. And and she hadn't said anything about being on a diet or trying anything new or she just lost so much weight. And I said to her, do you want to tell me how you did that? And she said, well, I will tell you now, but I haven't mentioned it because I had this sense that I wanted to stand in solidarity with people around the world who did not get a full stomach every day. I'm sorry, but that always touches me. And she said, I wanted to stand in solidarity with those who didn't have three meals a day. So I gave up one meal a day. She didn't give it up for food purposes. We're going to talk about fasting in a few days. She didn't give it up for dietary purposes. She gave it up because she wanted to understand what it felt like to go to bed at night hungry never hungry like many of our brothers and sisters around the world. And here we see Jesus doing the same thing in solidarity with the masses, with we folks, people full of failures and lukewarmness of our faith, people who have repented of their sins. This baptism gave the Jews a whole new look forward. 
John and his camel hair clothes and baptism rituals caused a stir. And Jesus had enough stirs in this world. Guiltless, no need for repentance, yet he plunges himself into the water of baptism with the masses. He is one of us. He's not separate and different. He identified with me and my human struggling. And the heavens opened up, and his father said, well done. God was pleased with Jesus. And it is my desire that the father will say that to me when I see him. Are you like me? I think you are. Don't you want to please Jesus? I believe you do. I want to know what he says in his word and his spirit to me. I want to self-empty myself as Jesus did in the muddy waters of the Jordan. Now, I have to tell you that the muddy waters of the Jordan, which I had the privilege to walk in, there's one word about muddy waters for me. Ugh. I don't know how you spell that, but that's how you say it. I have never liked walking in a muddy river. Never, ever. I grew up in Illinois where the Michigan Lake was right there. My husband grew up in Wisconsin. We have been in many places for holidays and vacations where there was a lake. And they're all the same. Ucky. I remembered as I was looking at this passage thinking, would I have gotten into the river and thought about my uckiness or would I have gotten in as Jesus did? with the heart of a human being, ready to suffer with Christ, ready to align myself with his suffering, ready to align myself with his suffering. I hope that if I were to get into the water in the muddy Jordan River that I wouldn't think uck first. I would think about solidarity, solidarity with you and with others as Jesus was doing. I like that sort of plunge in feel, but when I know so much about what's ahead, I can pause and hesitate and resist the change. I was recently talking to a friend, and we talked about trust versus hope, and I, I distilled our conversation by thinking that God, who is full of knowledge of what will open the door to my heart for me to cause uh, an understanding of his suffering, and and then we talked about, can I trust God when bad things happen? We've had this question happen to all of us. Where is God? Why does God allow that? Is God allowing it? That question goes asked and asked and asked. But the, the reality is, Jesus holds me. The Father holds me. He loves me. And it does not include the question, will I be spared? If anything, what it includes is that I may not be spared the suffering, but he will be with me. And if you are like I am, there is suffering. I am engaged in suffering for the last five years and that I never expected to engage with in my entire life. It is a private suffering, but I am engaged in it. But I know that he is with me and he is holding me. And he is loving me in the same way that he has always loved me. There's joy in me knowing that I am known, knowing that he knows the sorrow I have. I think it reminds me of the simplicity of Julia Roberts in that film, Notting Hills. I know, how do I go from suffering to Notting Hills? But she's, remember when she looks at him and she says, I'm just a girl asking a boy to love her. And I think that's 
when I stand before Jesus and I say, I'm just your daughter, a simple girl with suffering and sadness and asking you to love me, and he always does. There is a deep truth in the picture of solidarity with the masses and the muddy water and the dove of God saying that he is doing what God has called him to do, and the Spirit calls us to do it. May these days of confession and and fasting and embracing the intimacy of Christ um, be yours. I'd like to end with a prayer that was written by Martin Smith. Spirit like a dove, dispending in spite of my timidity, I am appealing to you to center my heart on this axis of truth in these 40 days. Every small step you enable me to take towards a deeper compassion for my fellow human beings will lead me further into the experience of a father's delight in me and care for me. I take in meditation to intensify my awareness of the love of God poured into my heart through the gift of your indwelling. And that will take me into a deeper identification with the suffering in the world, the groaning in labor pains until you come again. I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of finding solidarity with Jesus.